Welcome to River's Edge Sermon of the Week. Thanks for joining us today. We're really believing that you'll benefit from the message that you're about to hear. A big thank you to those of you who share our podcast on social media. And thanks for rating and reviewing us on iTunes. For more information about us, please visit riversedgechurch.com.au. So what I want to do is I want to teach, um, if I can, and then we'll do some prayer at the end. Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. I want to talk about the kingdom of God. We are very familiar with the idea of the kingdom. If you're watching the news, uh, and Australians become queen, it's amazing. Um, But we understand kingdoms because we can see the commonwealth. But we we look at it differently. And and we understand there's a rule, there's, there's government, there's all this type of stuff. But what we're talking about with the kingdom of God is the rule of God the reign of God, the sovereignty of God. And Jesus comes in this scripture and he says, the kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God has come and it's now. So what you need to do to get into it is change the way that you think about stuff and believe. Repentance isn't a oh, contrition, I need to change. It's actually a change of mind, a change of thinking to see what God is actually doing. And Jesus is talking about the fact that the kingdom of God had come in him. That it wasn't just some future thing, that he had come and the kingdom had come now. It's not something... Go to my next slide. I don't know if I have... Yeah, the kingdom of God. So once I'm being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied... The kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. So he's like, they're looking for a a line in the sand, some particular thing where the kingdom of God would appear in its glory. And he's like, no, it's, it's actually already here, because Jesus was there. And that's why Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Because he's wanting and longing for the fulfillment of, of the kingdom. So let's go back, go to the next slide. Just a bit of historical understanding. Where does the kingdom of God come from? So um, Pastor John did a great message of the whole idea of salvation history. I'm going to quickly do a little bit as well. Abraham, God promises Abraham, takes him out and says, I'm going to make a great nation of you. And, and everyone will be blessed through you, and, and that's what he's going to do. And so um, Genesis chapter 12, I will make you into a generation, uh, a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And whoever comes against you, I'll curse. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. He's just talking about Jesus, the ultimate fulfillment of that. And then David comes along, and so the, the nation, uh, Abraham has sons and daughters and they have a nation, and, and God at, with Moses says, okay, this is what I want you to do. I'm going to give you a law, how you live, not as slaves, but as children of God, what that actually looks like. And eventually David comes along and God promises him, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. So David, the promise to David is that you will have someone that will live forever, which is ultimately Jesus. We understand that as Jesus, and that will, will live forever. And so 
it, the, the, the children of Israel are like, yes, that's what this is, until they mess it up and they sin against God and they're captive, captured many times, north and south and divided, and Babylonians come and take them, and, and they repent, and God take, this is where Daniel and all of those other minor prophets come into play. And they start to talk about the kingdom of God as, as, as something more than just a physical land location of Israel where David and they would live forever. It is that to them, but it is also something future where evil and all this other stuff would be destroyed. That ultimately God would come and glory and be honoured and um, this is this intertestamental period where um, the, the, the kingdom of God became, became like a, a phrase that would instill hope that this devastation that we've all seen. So what's happened after the Babylonians, the Greeks come, the Romans come, and the, and the Jewish people are like, where is God? And what they do, where is God? And so they begin to hope through the, the prophetic guys that this, uh, prophesying that there is a, a kingdom that will come, that will obliterate every other kingdom. So if you remember Daniel's prophecy, there's this thing there is stone comes and obliterates everything and the kingdom will last forever. And they, there's this bigger thing than just a, a location of one nation in a place. It's actually something huge and something bigger. And Jesus uses both of these things when he comes. So if we go to the next slide, when he, he comes, he, he begins to understand that it is located to a, a time and a place and a fulfillment of Israel, but it is also much, much bigger than that and will incorporate the entire world and will meet for all people and it's the rule and the end of evil and the, and, and the rule and the sovereignty of God coming out. And this is, when Jesus comes, this is what he preaches. I just preached the first time in each of the Gospels that you can see. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come. So it's now. That's not a, like a chronological time. It's, it's the season of now. The kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God is, is, is here, is what it says. So repent and believe the good news. Um, and in Matthew chapter 4, from that time on, Jesus began to preach. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now Matthew is a good Jewish person, so they don't write the name of God. And so they rather put in heaven instead of God. But it's essentially the same thing. Luke says the same thing, and this is uh, talking about Jesus here, but I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also, because this is why I was sent. You can see Jesus has come to preach the gospel, but it's the gospel of the kingdom of God, of the rule of God. And John chapter 3, Jesus speaking to Nicodemus, um, I truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Let's go to the next slide. Acts chapter 1. So after his suffering, which is his death and resurrection, he presented himself, talking about Jesus, and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive by eating with them, going through a wall, hearing different things like that. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. That's what he spoke about, the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father's promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
And then they gathered around him and said, Lord, are you going at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So they're coming back to this idea that it's a, a, it's a place and a, and a location and it will Im- impact everything. That's what they're thinking because that was a Jewish understanding. Remember, they had the Romans there. So they're like, hey, this is what you're going to do. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what he's trying to say to them is, we want to know if this is going to happen. And he's like, I can't tell you this exact thing, but the Holy Spirit's going to come, and you'll be my witnesses of the kingdom, essentially. And so that's what, how Jesus uses it. I want to use this diagram if we go to the next. This is a helpful way to visualize if you can. I'll, I'll go through both of them. So the top left one, so the age to come, the kingdom of God, or um, the present evil age. The two things, that that's how a Jewish mindset would talk about. So when you read um, Paul, he writes about this present evil age or the age to come. That's the language that they're using. And so what we see is the top part is, is God's rule. Sovereignty is absolute rule that nothing will bad will happen, only the blessing and the goodness of God. And so we see touches of this where God intervenes where this, there are slaves in the Exodus. The, 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 the sovereignty of God comes in and he does incredible things that violates the laws of nature and everything, splitting seas, turning blood into, you know, water into blood, all of this stuff. That's God just going, okay, I'm, I'm the boss, I'll show you. And then he does nothing, walks away. And so we see this over and over again, even the judgment is God's idea of the kingdom, that ultimately you can't have two gods, there's only one God. And ultimately the fulfillment of this is in Jesus. And then we have the coming of Jesus and then this idea of the church. And so we have right now an in-between section. What, what um, theologians call the now and the not yet. So we are, uh, the way we talk about it is, is with salvation. So I, I, I was saved. I made a commitment to follow Jesus. I am at the process of being saved, but I still sin. I will die. And so the ultimate salvation, there's a not yet part of this to come that will be ultimately fulfilled. And we, know, we understand that that's how the, this kingdom of God operates. So God is sovereign and supreme, and we want his kingdom to come, but we also understand there's violence, evil, suffering, all this bad stuff in the world that sin has caused. And so we have not yet stuff happen. But ultimately, one day, Jesus will come back again. That's the age to come. Where that'll be amazing. Or... Um, when Jesus returns and that we fully realize the promises of the Old Testament, the time fulfillment, we're in this partially realized. So that's why when it comes to talk about this whole idea of seeing God move in people and believing for him to do stuff, we're in this in-between phase. So we can see touches and flashes and, and the outbreak of the kingdom of God to do incredible things, but not always. And so we pray and we believe. And I want to talk about what this actually then means for us. So here's the thing. Go next. Um, the church is not the kingdom of God. I think that's important for you to understand. The kingdom of God is, is, is bigger. The church is part of the kingdom. 
It's God's tool to um, rescue humanity and to say, hey, you should follow Jesus. There's the good news of the kingdom of God, that, that God is on the throne and he's rescued humanity from their sin and their evil and their selfishness and there is another way. It's a community, it's the body of Christ in which God does different things, but it isn't the kingdom of God. It's part of the kingdom. You can read in Romans chapter 11, um, the the church is grafted into the promises of of who Israel is. Because who is this? Suddenly all these people who weren't Jewish people, they weren't by by, um, they're not a a, a descendant of Abraham, Isaac or Jacob. They're all able to get all these incredible blessings from God. They've been grafted in, it says in Romans chapter 11. And Jesus says to Peter, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And Jesus uh, commissioned the 12 in Matthew uh, chapter 10, the 72 in Luke chapter 10, and now us in Matthew 28. And after 40 days, he preached about the, the resurrection, the kingdom, and the kingdom of God. And you see in the, in the book of Acts, all of these people come and they testify about the kingdom of God. They don't preach about the church. They don't preach about, hey, my church is amazing. That doesn't, there's no power in that. That doesn't do anything. It's the rule and the reign of God. It's the kingdom of God. That's the message of the church. But it is probably the battlefield in which this in-between stage happens. In-between. The, we're not, we, Jesus has come. He's, he's ascended now. So we're in a different era, but he hasn't come back. We're in this in-between age where um, the gospel of the kingdom is, is being preached. So let me just talk about that for a second. We'll go to the next slide. I, I won't do this too long because I think Pastor John did a great thing. What, what is Jesus has come to do two things. To bring atonement, which brings two back to one. So God and humanity were once in relationship, friendship, sonship even. And yet, because of our sin, we turned away. And Jesus comes and he brings an atonement, a covering for, for, for us. Um, in order that we might become merciful and faithful high priests, that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Um, it brings union back. And then justification is the other big um, word there, so let me read that. Therefore, we have been justified through faith, with peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus does all of this, that we might be credited as righteous. Um, and it's a legal term, mean to acquit, to declare righteous. So when God sees us today, he says, I see you and you're free. And you, well, there's no pain of difference between us, I see you. This is the important part, being part of the kingdom of God. And, and this is what we preach, because this is the felt need. We recognize that most of our problems are our own causing all what people have done to us through their sin. 
And so that's the major cause of suffering. And so the answer to that is Jesus and what he's done in the atonement, in in justification, redemption, all of these amazing great words that mean that he died for me and for us and for all of humanity to take away our sin and to bring, not not just to bring us back to square one, Adam and Eve were innocent. Now I'm declared righteous. Now I have the righteousness of God. It's different. It's a totally amazing different thing. And that's the, that's the wonderful thing. And that's what we preach. And people say yes or no or whatever it is. But that's the good news of the kingdom. That Jesus, who is the Lord, God who does all these things. And so my question, we go to the next slide. Welcome to the kingdom. And I think churches can fall into either one of these two camps with an amazing cruise ship welcome aboard your ticket has been paid jesus has done everything sit back relax it's a great journey one day he's going to come back but while in the meantime enjoy the show which i think i'm being funny but that's how we can look at the church Come, tickets being paid, it's great. They'll even look after your kids. Or we're a rescue ship, we're a lifeboat. I'm, I'm saved. There's heaps more people that need to be saved, so let's turn around and find them. Rather than, let's just see what's on the menu for today. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I've, I know I could eat more, but let's just keep going. See, that's the, the difference that I think that we need to have, which in your mind is how you live in the kingdom. Because whichever you take will be what you do. If it's like Jesus has done everything so I can just sit back and relax and watch the next show, yeah. And I think at times there's, there's places and spaces for healing and for God's goodness and grace to, to go, hey, I think you need to rest a while. Because that's what Jesus did. So there was disciple come and rest a while and all of these things. Sometimes Jesus went away to, because he was always with people and doing so. He had all, I, I get all of that, right? Don't, I'm not talking about just need to keep working, keep working, keep working. But I think it's something that we could stay here and go, this is awesome. When really we're meant to... Um, Actually, be a lifeboat to go and rescue humanity and be and and be the ambassadors of Jesus that we're meant to be. And this is where I think the battle is is happens, and this is where the enemy, who is not fully defeated, comes in to sort of say, "Hey," and the three ways that I think he tries to get us to stay on the cruise ship as opposed to the lifeboat. Are you ready? Number one, if we go to the next one. I'll read this scripture probably because it's, it's helpful. Uh, let's just go. You can read Ephesians 6 at home, but the bottom one the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus has come to give life and life to the full, but there's an enemy, Satan, and all of his hordes that would come against us. And what they're trying to do is get you to not be involved in the kingdom. And, and so they do it three ways. Number one, it's through the world. And um, I don't know if I got a slide for this one. No, I'll go back. I think I've just got it here in my notes. So I'll do this really quickly. 
No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, where we were in the world, and, and first John talks about be, be in the world, but not, we're in the world, but not of the world. It's a different thing. But the way that the enemy comes is like, just be like everybody else. Do what everyone is. Have the same drives and desires and goals and dreams that everybody else has. But as Libby said this morning, Jesus has overcome the world. Now the second way is through the flesh. Um, Romans 7 verse 18, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. This is where we are, the bit and the now and the not yet. I have a new nature, but it's not complete. There's a wrestle, my old nature is still there, and so there's this crucifixion that needs to happen to my heart where the old person dies wants to live again and wants to rise from the dead and be a dumb zombie and I have to kill it. I must crucify myself, my, my agenda, really, my lordship, and follow his lordship. And, and, and what we can do, we can either live in indulgences, but the other thing I think the devil sometimes does to us is that we can just so fixate on the fact that you're sinful and you're evil and you've done that thing again and it's really bad and everybody knows and it's because he's called the accuser of the brothers and sisters. And, and the way that he cripples us from walking in what God has for us is by saying, everybody knows that you've done this wrong. And he comes and to steal, kill, and destroy the life, the joy, the peace that you have in your heart that Jesus bought for you. And just like, okay, I'm going to get rid of that. Or, full frontal, if you can't do any of those other things, the devil will just actually try and do whatever he can in another way. So this is where um, stuff that happens in a demonic realm or stuff, because angels and demons are real, they will come and just do whatever they can do to, to do stuff against you. When you read the book of Acts, you see it over and over again, or we've read Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. So it's God's armor, not your armor. You stand in his power, his authority, and you stand against the works of the devil that will come against you. Which for some of you already like, oh, this is a bit, bit weird. Let's go to the next slide. I'll make it even harder. So when Jesus called the twelve together, he gave them life jackets and whistles in case they got into trouble. No, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick and go on. So they, they set out and went from village to village proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. So Jesus has come. This is before his resurrection. And he said, even in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples. He delegates the authority and the power to us to go and do what we need to do to actually get on the lifeboat. Power is the ability and the strength to complete the task. And I read earlier that Jesus said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So how, how do we receive the power of God? We, we, we just need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Paul writes in Ephesians, I pray that you might understand the power, this exceedingly great power towards us who believe the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. We just need to understand that. That's what he's saying. You open the eyes of our heart that we would see that. And, we would, and Jesus has already given that to you. And so if you don't feel like you have power today, just wait on God. Come on Wednesday night. We're going to wait on God and we're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit again. It's what happened in the book of Acts. They fulfilled again and filled again and they then did incredible things. But the authority is the right or the privilege and the responsibility to use that power of God. Best illustration that I read is, is a police person. They can't stop a car. They physically, they don't have the power to stop a car, not even Bella's car, as big as that is. They don't have the power to stop that car. Right? They just can't. They'll be crushed. But what they have is they have symbols of authority. They have a badge. They have a uniform that when you see a police person, you don't go, oh, oh look, oh, you can stop me if you can. You stop your car because of the authority that has been delegated to them. It's the same thing for you and I. We have authority from Jesus, not because I have authority, but because he's given you a uniform. He's given you the, 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 the badge, so to speak, his righteousness, his power. His, he's given that to you. You didn't go, oh, I just don't He gives it all to you to proclaim the kingdom, to show forth the kingdom with not just great words, and it's super important, but also the demonstration of what that actually looks like. So you remember in um, the centurion, in Luke chapter 7, he comes to Jesus and says, I, I need you to come and heal my, my servant. And, and, um, and Jesus is like, okay, I'm going to come. And he's like, no, no, just say the word. Because if you say the word, he'll be healed. I don't need you to come. I understand authority. I say, I'm, 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 I understand what it is. I say, this person go here, this person go there. They know what it is to do. So you just need to speak the word, Jesus, and I know this person's going to be healed. Yeah. And Jesus is blown away at this person's faith. So what is the key for us today to move in the authority that God has for us? I think it's faith. I think it's understanding what it is and walking in that. And saying, God, that's what you said to do, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to take that risk. And so, go to the next slide, please. You need to understand that we are at war. Join me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So we're in this battle. We're in this in-between stage of the now and the not yet. One day Jesus will come and we don't need to pray your kingdom come. Your will be done. It will be done. In between, we long for it. We look for it. We, 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 we speak to people and we show them God's power and God's authority. Paul was recounting his encounter with Jesus to, um, I think, Felix in Acts 26, verse 18. And, and this is what Jesus said to him. Part of what I want you to do, I want you to open their eyes and turn them from a darkness to light. That's, that's our role today, is to help people turn from darkness to light, from the power 
of Satan to God. So there is a battle that's happening today. We, people in our world are under the power of Satan if they don't follow Jesus. If you follow Jesus and you're part of his kingdom, you're in, you're in light, you're in God. And actually what Jesus would say to you is like, okay, now let's get started on the power and the authority that you have. Don't, don't, don't live in fear. For the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Jesus came to rescue people and go, all right, this is it. And so I want to challenge us today to live in Jesus' power and authority because that's what you need if you go into your workplace tomorrow. Or if you've got a day off, fantastic. Wherever, wherever you go, whatever you're doing, you have the power and the authority of Jesus on your life for the kingdom of God. Yeah. Everywhere you go, you have the power and the authority of Jesus to proclaim his kingdom. Everywhere you go, you have the power and the authority of Jesus to proclaim his kingdom. Everywhere you go, because this, this is where you're going, yes, but that's just for the special people. It's not. It's not. This is what the devil would try and rob you and steal you and destroy you and say, yes, it's good for those people, but it's not for you. Because when I read the Bible, Jesus gets the twelve. He gives them the power and authority. Go and do it. They come back and go, oh, even the demons were subject to it. And he goes, rejoice that your name's in the book of life, right? Just calm down. So they're not awesome. There's problems, there's, there's stakes, there's issues. He then gets the 72 and says, all right, you guys go and do it. You guys and probably girls, I think, at this point, from the way I read the text. Here's so, the thing, because some of us are like, oh, but I'm not part of the twelve. Matthew 28, go into all the world, disciple everybody, because all authority in heaven and earth, this is what you want to do. That didn't convince you. Let's let's look at the book of Acts in like 30 seconds. There's 120 in the upper room. That's more than the 72 and, and more than the 12. So these are people, the Holy Spirit comes on and they're witnesses. And they proclaim the kingdom and they demonstrate the kingdom. Because what happens the next day is they heal somebody. They just walk along the road and this guy asking for money. He's like, I don't have any money, but I have Jesus to stand up and walk. So it wasn't like, what do we do to get more people? It was like, I don't know. I have Jesus. Then from there, a whole bunch of the church grows and it explodes and there's problems because the pastors can't actually do the teaching and the preaching and then go and prepare the morning tea for everyone at the thing because I'm just going to finish. And do, no. So they go, hey, a bunch of people can do that. Can you do that? Yeah, okay, great. You're full of the Holy Spirit. You're a wise person. You can make this right. Those people who are serving the tables, so can I just use the illustration? So Paul, Paul's up the back there. He's ready to serve um, the coffee. And who's doing on coffee today? I know it. These two, they're all, any of the, all the, they're, they're doing this stuff. Suddenly, the book shifts from the, the, the fantastic 12 and Peter and all these problems to the people serving there. And they start to do incredible things, not just preach, 
but they demonstrate the power of God and people get healed. Then all of a sudden, this is the evil person called Saul who's anti the church. He's persecuting people, probably means he killed them. He's on the scene. Jesus knocks him off. He's blind for a few days. Ananias, some ordinary person, sees and knows exactly where he is. And God tells him, pray for him that he might be healed. He's healed. He then suddenly goes, God uses him in profound ways. Even like he preached all night and someone fell out the window and died. And he went downstairs, prayed for him or spoke to him, whatever it is. He got up from the dead and he kept preaching. Don't think that it's just for the special people. Everywhere you go, you have the power and the authority to proclaim the kingdom of God. Everywhere you go. Everywhere you go to proclaim the power and the authority. So let's go to the last slide. And the team could come, that'd be great. Here's some questions that I want you to think about this week. Am I living for the king and his kingdom? I'm not living for the church. I think, don't, don't confuse the church and the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is way bigger. The body of Christ in this moment is the expression of the church all throughout the world that is what God's trying to do. But God is bigger than that. And we ultimately submit to the authority and the lordship of Jesus Christ, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. So my question is, am I living for the king and his kingdom? Because the, the devil would try to make you live for you. Live for you and your kingdom, which is very, to be honest, it's very small. It's very self-centered. As good as you are, as great as you are, as amazing as you are, the kingdom of God is bigger. That's why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added to you. Don't worry about all this other stuff. People chase after that. Come back to the message I preached at the beginning of the year. The seed, we try to be choked by worries, riches, and pleasures. So what are you actually, are you seeking, are you living for the king and his kingdom? Second question, what's stopping me from walking in Jesus' power and authority? What's stopping you? I'll tell you what it is. Fear. Oh, there you go. Because you all thought, the big, when I started off, you're like, oh, he knows what he's doing. I don't know what I'm doing. If I'm being really honest, I'm still fearful. I'm like, I see this. I feel like the Holy Spirit put these two people. I didn't. I, I don't. I'm just like, I'm, I'm hearing. I hope I'm hearing from God. Will I make mistakes? I can tell you right now, and this can stay on YouTube forever. I will totally make mistakes. But I am convinced that those mistakes are worth it to see the outcome of what God's kingdom preached and proclaimed and demonstrated so I'm going to have a crack so my question to you what's stopping you from walking in Jesus' power and authority maybe, maybe it's sin and selfishness but I think for most of us it's fear and we just need to know that Jesus is with us that's why he said in Matthew 28 I'm with you always don't fear 
Don't fear. So when you're in your workplace, someone says, what do you do on the weekend? You could talk about the cruise ship called the church. I'd rather you talk about the lifeboat and, and address what's really going on. Hey, here's the thing, here's the thing. When you're in those moments, pray, Holy Spirit, do it under your breath, actually not even breathing, in your mind, Holy Spirit, show me what to say. Give me an opportunity. I'll tell you what, he'll speak. He will. He will. Because he's God. He wants, to, he wants this more than you do. And so all we're doing is cooperating. He's given, except to the 12, I'm going to give you power and authority. Go. And so all we need to do is like, all right, I'm ready. I've got this power. I've got this authority. Do it. So whatever, what is it? I mean, I don't, that's, I'm just, do we live on the defensive when we are called to live on the offensive? Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. I have given you power to, stamp, to, start, to trample on snakes and scorpions and all power of the devil. Stop living in fear of the devil and start taking ground. You know the whole idea of Ephesians chapter 6. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. So it's God's armor, not yours. That you might deliver. It is the preparation of the gospel of peace that's powerful. Which means walking and taking ground. I'm doing this. I'm, I'm rather than cowering. Oh my goodness. Just stand. And having done all, stand in the victory of Jesus. Like There are things that you're facing, all right, that in, your, in your family, in your mind, in your situation, that you're like, look, I can't think of anybody else right now. I'm telling you, get your fight on. Take ownership of it. Get Jesus' lordship and authority over the situation. And then you'll be able to go and do all the stuff that God has for you to do. But your life's a mess because you're letting the devil do whatever he wants to do. But rather than, do not, do not be ignorant of the devil. We are not ignorant of Satan's scheme, the Bible says. So let's go, ah, I understand this. I go, I'm going to pray for this. Because every time I come here, this happens. Every time I just then start to actually pray. Because the weapons of, of, that we have are not carnal. They're not fleshly. They're not like, oh, I can build myself up and read James Clear again. Then I'm pumped up and ready to go. It doesn't work for the kingdom of God. It'll work for your business. It'll work for other stuff. But actually, the kingdom of God is not about food and drink. Rules and rules. Right, what do you do? It's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit that you can't just conjure yourself up. It's a relationship, vibrant living relationship with God that you can actually outwork. So here's my challenge for you this week. Walk in His power and His authority. Walk in His power. Let's take ground for him. And, and maybe for some of you, 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 maybe the last question is, which are you on the cruise ship or the, the rescue ship? I don't, why don't we stand this morning? I'm gonna, the team to pray and to, to um, lead us in worship. Come on, guys, why don't you come out the front and just really lead us. We want to make room for what God wants to do. I'm going to pray in a moment, but let's... Uh, Open our hearts and let's worship Him.
Thank you for listening to River's Edge Sermon of the Week. For more information about us, please visit riversedgechurch.com.au.